they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church in North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 534. It is July 30, and this podcast is for the weekend, July 30 and 31. Today, some stories from some of the key documents about North Korea. First document being uh, Belki's book called Juche, J-U-C-H-E. And then we'll have uh, an article from Tears of My Soul by Kim Hyun-hee. And if time, we'll go on to an article by, uh, about from the Hidden Gulag. In Thomas Belki's Juche, the following story is quoted years ago. A North Korean government official was dying of tuberculosis. You only have a few months to live, the physician told him. Well, Mr. Park decided to pay his final respects to his relatives in Manchuria, that's northeast China. One evening, while visiting a relative, Mr. Park overheard a gospel radio broadcast originating from South Korea. An American evangelist, aided by an interpreter, gave a message on healing. I cannot come to you, the evangelist concluded, but if you believe God, he will heal you. Mr. Park did not know what a Bible was, and he asked his relatives for a Bible. He was handed a Bible, which he placed upon his chest. Echoing the broadcast prayer, Mr. Park ended with a hearty amen, though ignorant of its meaning. Weeks passed, and the incident was forgotten. Mr. Park returned to North Korea. Months later, Mr. Park realized that he was still alive. Puzzled, he he visited his physician. I don't understand, the doctor concluded, but your health is normal. Instantly, Mr. Park recalled the radio broadcast and the prayer and the Bible. Requesting a leave of absence, Mr. Park hurried back to Manchuria to revisit his relatives. He burst out that he had been dying and that he had been healed. Word grew silently among the village believers, and they rejoiced. Laying their hands on him, they prayed, saying, We're sending a missionary into North Korea. Upon his return, Mr. Park was bursting to share the good news. Was it safe? Who could he tell? After much prayer, he told his mother. As Mr. Park shared his testimony, she broke out in tears, sobbing, Son, son, please forgive me. Before the war, I was a church deaconess. However, I was afraid to tell you about Jesus. I feared you would report me to the communists as others who had turned in their parents. Surely the Lord allowed this sickness that you might find him and be saved. Turning to the Lord, the elderly mother sank to her knees in gratitude. Oh, Lord, forgive me, she wept. Thank you for saving my son and returning the gospel to our family. Tearfully, mother and son, earnestly prayed for guidance. Subsequently, an underground church was formed. Imagine a North Korean church. At the time of the writing, the fellowship numbered 80 members. It was published by Cornerstone in 1993, that story. So what is Juche really? Let's talk about that from again from Juche. The Juche book by Belki. On page 11, he uh, quotes Kim Jong-il in defining Juche. For those who would like to know, the Juche idea is a new philosophical thought which centers on man. 
Now, this is Kim Jong-il talking. The Juche idea is based on the philosophical principle that man is the master of everything and decides everything. The Juche idea raised the fundamental question of philosophy by regarding man as the main factor and elucidated the philosophical principle that man is the master of everything and decides everything. That man is the master of everything means that he is the master of the world and his own destiny. That man decides means that he plays the decisive role in transforming the world and shaping his destiny. The philosophical principle of the Juche idea is the principle of man-centered philosophy which explains man's position and role in the world. And by the way, the man who said this had no control over his life when he died some years ago. Well, there you have it. It doesn't get more official than that, a definition for Juche. Can a mere school counselor like myself, as I was when I wrote this, dare to take issue with a, the learned scholar Kim Jong-il? Most of his work was ghost-written anyway. There are, more, there are some very glaring problems with the above description beyond the North Korean tendency to be repetitive. Let me narrow it to two words. First, the word new. The whole man is the master of everything concept has been around a long time, long time. Self-centered, God-defying humanism kind of began in the Garden of Eden, if you want to look at it that way. It's not slackened its pace through the centuries. It's everywhere today. And then number two, the word decide. If man is the master and decides everything, then all men should be in on the decision. The Chinese and the Americans and the Japanese are men, but Juche does not apply to them. The South Koreans are men and they're making decisions too, but not Kim's decisions. So they don't count either. If the North Koreans were allowed to decide between what they have and what there is to have globally, they too would not determine their fate to be poverty or torture and imprisonment. In fact, the word decide in this definition only applies to one man. And at present, the man was Kim Jong-il, now it's Kim Jong-un. We declare that all other men are free to decide and that Juche's decision is faulty. And if, as Juche demands, we must abide by the decisions of one man, many of us choose the man Jesus Christ, whose concepts admittedly are also not new. Yet they make individual men and women and children all over the world to sing a new song, live a new life, participate in a new hope. For the truth is that this Jesus is the master of everything and ultimately decides everything. He is the main factor. He is the master of the world and its destiny. He alone will transform this universe into a new heaven and a new earth. It is Christ-centered philosophy which explains man's position and role in the world. Let's get that message to North Korea so that they know they got a choice after all. Next article is called Maggots for the Government. And it's from Kim Hyun-hee's book, The Tears of My Soul. Well, we need North Korea more than North Korea needs us. We need those who live seriously difficult lives 
to remind us that our lives are not so difficult after all, to remind us of the cross, to remind us to pray. Again, quoting today from North Korean Kim Hyun-hee as she describes what her days were like growing up in North Korea. And she was in the privileged class, mind you. I'm quoting now. We were told that to defeat the American imperialists, our country would need to buy weapons abroad. So we were sent out for hours each day gathering scrap iron, bottles, and other recyclable products that could be sold for foreign currency. We were assigned quotas to fulfill, and children who failed to do so were admonished publicly. Who could gather the most became a great source of competition among us. We were also instructed to search about and to collect the skins of rabbits and dogs, as well as, and to this day I don't know why, maggots. Yeah, maggots were most commonly found in the dung heaps at the public outhouses where the toilets did not flush. And again, we competed intensely. As for the dung itself, uh, well, we were also required to collect that. When great heaps had accumulated, it was eventually shipped to farmers for use as fertilizer. And each person would be graded according to the quantity and quality of the dung collected. Later on, when rationing tickets were issued, these grades with which we had been rewarded were taken into account. And yet the most difficult thing of all was to collect flowers. These we were required to place in front of the many statues of Kim Il-sung around our neighborhood. Since there were no flower shops in North Korea, the only way we could fulfill our quotas was to bribe the local greenhouse custodian. And these were the sorts of activities that filled our days. I was just wondering as I read through that, do you have fond memories of your childhood? Fonder than that, I hope. Do you fill your days a little bit more meaningfully than Kim Hyun-hee? Probably. Probably. Well, one more story today. And I'm reading from my own book, Hackberry House, Volume 1, Two Years with North Korea. And there's a 360 or 70 stories in here, articles about North Korea. I think you'd be blessed to, to check that book out in my store. G. Hayes' Prison Experience is our final thing. This is from David Hawke's book called Hidden Gulag. Again, a few years back, but... Hawk's idea in writing the book is to expose to the light of day what's going on in North Korea. These are not all Christian stories, but you can apply what you hear to the Christian people for they're getting this stuff and worse. do want you to pray. Jihei was, and I'm just giving you like an outline, just little one-liners about his life, so not to tell the whole story, but just a little summary of it. Born in 1949 in South Hanyang Province, North Korea. He was an active part of the propaganda ministry. That's patriotic work, songs at factories and so on. By 1989, at the age of 40, this is a woman, her faith in the party began to waver. 
And then she sees a North Korean TV show mocking South Korea's president. A song on that show intrigued her. She memorized it. And then she taught that song on December 25, what we call Christmas Day in 1992. She taught it to four women at a party. One of those women evidently reported her, which is very likely. She's reported, she's arrested, she's beaten, sexually abused, tried to commit suicide by swallowing cement. Now, for teaching a song and trying to get extra food illegally, three years of a sentence. Released in 1995, but she's an ex-convict now. It's hard to get money. She tries peddling food, then selling her blood at transfusion centers. 1998, she escapes to China. She's caught by a trafficker, sold to Chinese men. She's locked up by her new, quote, husband as a, quote, sex toy for seven months. She escapes to Weihai in China, works in a restaurant. With six other North Koreans, she steals a boat. The engine breaks down on the way to South Korea. Later, she steals another boat, but she's intercepted, turned over to the Chinese border guard, and sent back to North Korea where she's beaten with broomsticks, forced to kneel hours at a time. Once more released, Christmas Day, 1999. Once more she escapes, crossing the frozen Tumen River by Musan into China. She meets a South Korean pastor who assists her and others in an escape. They go from Weihai to Beijing to Kunming in China. Now that's a lot of miles. Check your map. Kunming? Are you kidding? But she's caught by Chinese police near Vietnam and released, thank God, walks over mountains into Vietnam, through Southeast Asia, and finally to Seoul. And when asked if she still sings the song that got her into all this trouble, she immediately replies, yes, and now without fear. I don't know if she ever came to the Lord. I know she had the opportunity. Millions in the North Korean paradise do not have that opportunity. Now, as soon as you're finished crying, and I hope that it does warm your heart, if your heart is tender at all, this, this touches you deeply. These are real stories. This is not Hollywood. Right after you cry, will you pray today? Dear God, what can I do? What can I do? He just might tell you something that you hadn't thought of. God bless you today. On the Monday, we'll go back to John Owen's preface to his book, The Glory of Christ. And if you'd like to go on in that book, let me know, those of you who have been listening. And we will see you then. Today we began with Psalm 5-6. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and many of them do. And God hears them all. God bless you today.